Welcome to the Commission Wrap-Up Show. Week 9 is gone, and we are here to break down all of the crazy moments from the week in baseball. I am joined by a very special guest who will be joining me right after we're done with this intro. And be joining me shortly. Get ready for the Commission Wrap-Up Show, and here we go. All right, here we are, Commission Wrap-Up Show, wrapping up Week 9, and I am joined by special guest, reigning defendant, undisputed champion of for the fame proud holder of the joseph george lucchese championship travis what's up man what's going on ace field what's happening what's going on man call me by my uh by my working name but uh <laughs> we are here to break down week nine and uh we have teams that are going in two very different directions so i'm sure we're going to get into all the specific uh conversation about where my team's going where your team's going where some of the other teams are falling because week nine we look at Memorial Day, like which was last weekend, as a benchmark in the real baseball season. And it's kind of become one of those benchmarks in our season as well. So I think we're starting to see who the real teams are, the real contenders. And those pretenders are really falling off. So how are you feeling going into, I guess, especially with your team? Uh, after this, uh, this week, feeling pretty good. I mean, I'm starting to get some of my injured uh, players back next week. So be able to bolster my staff a little bit um, just by the, just by them coming back. Um, got a nice uh, in-division win this week, so that'll just boost boost my stats. So I'll be able to, if I have any tiebreakers, I'll be able to beat that. I'll be 4-1 now. So uh, that's definitely huge for me. Um, and, yeah, I mean, pretty much everybody else besides uh, Jimmy beating you, everyone else lost. So I'll take that electro lead right now as best I can take. All right, well, let's start with your matchup, too. So you moved to 6-3, and three, defeating Karen, who fell to 1-8. and eight. Karen, one of those teams that she's always a contender the last few years. I mean, she's obviously won that 2020 championship. She has that to hang on her shelf. But this year has not gone well for her at all. And anything that can go wrong will go wrong. It's sort of like a Murphy's Law year for her. Um, what are your thoughts on Karen's team as, as we – we'll go over the matchup in a second. But what are your thoughts on her team and, like, what's attributing to her bad luck? Uh, yeah, I mean, her, I mean, obviously injuries have plagued everybody, but I think her, uh, with Chris Bryant coming off and coming on on the IL, um, and then Woodruff just not playing well, he's on the IL now. I think it's just really, he has, they haven't really, uh, you know, just meshed at the right time. I mean, Buxton is, <laughs> she's lucky that he's actually stayed healthy this far. Um, and Machado is obviously one of the best players in the league right now. Um, it's just uh, looks like our pitching staff's a little rough. She gets a lot of negative points. I mean, look, looking at it real quick, four of her pitchers got negative points this week. It's just not what you need. You're not going to, you know, if you're if you're looking to win a week, that's just not gonna not gonna cut it. Do you see a correlation between the low amount of moves she has right now? She's second least in the league on on moves made. Right now, Alicia's at 19. She's at 22. Do you think that possibly she's not riding that waiver wire on a weekly basis frequent enough? Uh, in her case, I believe so. I think, you know, sometimes you don't always need to make the move. Um, but in her case, considering what her record is and how she's done and how she's lost by so close margins, I think her being on the waiver wire needs... A, 
it would have helped her in, in a bunch of situations. I mean, I pulled away at the end today, and you know, three of her pitches got negative. One of them didn't make it out of the first inning. So obviously, those are things you can't really prepare for. But uh, she could have made the difference during the week for sure by picking somebody up, maybe adjusting something. I know it's tough with the ILs right now. Everyone seems like everyone has more than five ILs right now, people on their IL right now. So it's kind of tough, and you kind of have to deal with that as it comes. But I'm sure there's somebody you could she could drop just to you know fit fit somebody in that'll get her some points. All right, so let's break down your matchup and looking at your offensive players. And I'm not sure you have it up in front of you, but I'm sure you probably have it down by heart. You've been studying it all week. <laughs> your offensive highlight uh, was definitely Cronenworth from San Diego. Uh, he's been pretty pretty damn good this year. He had a breakout season last year. Now he's sitting at 33rd overall in points. He finished the week with 14.7 points for you. What's great from him is the versatility. You can put him at first, second, or short. You can pop him in if there's a roster issue on your week. You know he's someone you can rely on. He plays pretty frequently for the the Padres. He hasn't had a day off in God knows how long. So that's another good thing that you can rely on because all these players, they sit there and they have, you know, like I'm thinking of Muncie today. Muncie just came back from injury, but he's been back for two days and now he's sitting just because the lefty's pitching. So Cronenworth, Cronenworth plays against both right and left-handed pitchers. So that definitely helps. And he's mashing the ball. So that's another good thing for you. Um, what are your thoughts on Cronenworth before we move on to your pitchers? Uh, he's definitely picked it up as of late, so I like where he's headed right now. You know, 15 points is huge for a week. If you get anything double digits, I mean, you, you're you're sitting pretty with that player. Um, and I mean, for me, he's the only offensive player that's hitting double, and even honestly, for my whole squad, he's the only hitting double. So I think that might be the first time he's done it this year too. So we had a really great week, and I think it's also as a whole squad, it's the home runs. I mean, I was I was I don't know if I was saying in the chat or something, but I'm pretty sure I have the lowest amount of home runs in the whole league right now. And considering I got 12 this week for my players is huge. I think last week I might have gotten like five, if that. So that's definitely a positive direction for my team. Yeah, so we saw Matt Chapman go down with a wrist injury. He sat out today. They are uncertain if he's going to be going on the IL. So we'll stay tuned with that. We're going to do the injury report later on the podcast. So I'm looking at the rest of your team. You didn't get much offensively from anybody else. I mean, you got the nine points from Correa, the 8.5 from Austin Hayes, 8.8 from George Springer, but a lot of single digits. Your main heavy hitter, Freddie Freeman, didn't really carry your team this week, 6.5 points. So, And Dodgers had a really bad weekend getting swept by the Giants, so not a lot going on there. Really where you got really, really like picked it up was the pitching, 9.35 from Rodon. 6.4 from John Gray, who seems to be flopping around on everybody's team. Maybe he's here to stay on your squad. Uh, you got Ryan Presley, who's pitched pretty well. He had a save this week. The negative points, though, from Tyler Anderson. And Garrett Cole has to be concerning on your end. But you got the win, despite your team pretty much playing not even close to their potential. So I guess you have to feel good about that. Yeah, I mean, even looking at the totals for the week and on the pitching side, my total uh, pitching was 41, and Karen was at... 26 so obviously you see the gap and that's pretty much what made me win and that's with Cole like you said getting negative points so even if he gets six I mean that's a swing of eight points right there that that I should be getting on a standard basis but uh it's good to uh it's good to get the win at least and even my point totals aren't great I mean looking at everybody else in the league I'm sitting there in the middle which honestly right now is I'm fine with 
Yeah, I mean, you can't be too upset about where you are. 122 is not a bad spot. If you score, if you average 120, you know you're going to win a lot of games. Now you're sitting at 6-3. and three. Let's go through some of Karen's uh, spots here just to not leave her out in the lurch. But she got some good production from Byron Buxton, like we talked about before. He's staying healthy, which is surprising, 14.2 points. Uh, but really, the negative points from the pitching really burned her. And the difference in pitching, like you said, it's you almost had double the amount of pitching points than she did. Uh, led by the fact that Dakota Hudson had negative one. Eric Lauer had negative three. Chad Cool had negative 2.25. You're not going to win many matchups when you have multiple pitchers getting negative points. And on top of that, not streaming anybody. So you're really rolling the dice of, I'm just going to roll out my guys and see what, what goes on. And she she guessed wrong. So, But we've seen in the past, we've seen people stream. And you and I were talking about this yesterday. There's been some people that stream and it costs them the matchup. Like we saw Devin lose a matchup because of it. So... I understand the mindset. I'm not saying she has to do it every day, but you have those six moves. You might as well use them, especially if you're down at some point and just do smart strategic moves that, yeah, like don't, don't pick up a guy who's playing an, you know, an offensive team that's going to get blown up, but sometimes you can pick a safe guy and know he's good for, you know, two, three points. And those add up times that by six, it can almost win you the week and bring you back into a matchup. Yeah. I mean, she made, um, she made a couple of ads, but it just, it didn't. Um, it didn't correlate. I mean, she got screwed with the auto thing. He goes a late, a late scratch. Uh, looks like she picked up Alex Wood, but I guess she picked him up too late. I don't know if she picked him up the day of that he was actually pitching and not the day before. So she, I guess she, you know, it was just poor planning on that. So it looks like she's starting to do a little bit more air drops, but it could be a little too late at this point. Now she'll be one and eight. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, looking at just today. You had 15.45 points. Uh, no, this is actually for the week. 15.45 from pitching. Am I looking at this correctly for today? Yeah, from today. Uh, no, that you was had, today. Yeah. yeah, so 15.45 points for you today with Rodon, Gray, Minder, and Presley pitch. Presley had no points. And then on her end, she had negative points from her pitchers. Yeah. So really, I think you kind of nailed it when we talked about it. Brandon Woodruff not pitching well and then landing himself on the I.L. with the ankle injury. That's a huge part. And also Zach Wheeler not pitching, being the Cy Young adjacent that we saw last year, like Corbin Burns won that award, but Zach Wheeler probably should. He had more innings pitched and was overall more dominant. Zach Wheeler's not even close to that pitcher. We know the Phillies are having a, a, a tough year. We saw them. Joe Girardi was fired, blah, blah, blah. But Wheeler's a huge reason that her team's not winning and also the Phillies aren't winning. So I think pitching staff right now, she has Shane McClanahan. And I know as we approach the fourth the fourth of July and also the the trade expo at the all-star game, she has to be thinking, you know, maybe I'm gonna try to stock up on some prospects and move one of these guys. Yeah. McClanahan's someone you can build around, so I'm not saying move her, but like someone like Zach Wheeler would be very, very attractive to a contending team, uh, because of the fact that like he has a history of being an ace and maybe you can get a lot for him. And I wouldn't say she would probably keep him at based on what he was doing for the beginning of the year. And I'm looking at his numbers. It's not terrible, but he, he was dominating last week. year. Yeah. But so not as good as last week for sure. I circle him on her roster as a guy that, that could easily be moved and she can get a boatload for him. I'm not sure what she's looking for though. And like the prospects right now are a little bit rough as far as, cause a lot of the prospects that were top of the top of the list have been called up. We talk about Julio Rodriguez, Adley Rushman, Spencer Torkelson, who's been struggling. They've been called up, so she's got to do some deep cuts if she wants to do it or find other players that she wants to value. But 
you know, that's the beauty of our league. Even when you're out of it, you can start thinking towards next year. So, but let's move on to another matchup here. And we're going to move on to my matchup as I got demolished by Jimmy, who weekly continues to flex his muscles. And I talked about it a week ago, and especially during the power rankings. I don't think Jimmy got as much love as he should because of the points scored. And you were saying the other day that he's sort of like a Jekyll and Hyde. And I, I looked at his numbers. You're right. I think a lot of what he does, um, he piles on the points when he's playing well, but there's some weeks he goes out there and you know, he doesn't have the, the point that he probably want in a contending team, which is why he's sitting at five and four right now. But before I get up all the, the totals for this week, what are your thoughts on Jimmy's team? And do you think he's not getting the love he deserves? Or do you think people are appropriately rating him as a 500 team? Um, I think he's appropriately rated. I mean, we look at his points total. It's up there. It's obviously the second highest. And like you just said, it's, you know, when he wins, he wins big. Like, so week one, when he played you, he was, you know, huge point totals. Now 140, a huge point total. And he had some other wins, you know, huge point totals. But it's it's the consistency, like we were saying. It's just not, uh, it's not there all the time. And that's why he's sitting at four and four. Um, I mean, and he'll be five and four. But if you look at the, the standings, Greg is obviously going to lose today. So... He'll be five and four, and so will be Jimmy. So he'll probably take that second spot in the division. So he's right in there at least. Is you know, was that one year that uh, Devin was ten and eleven and made it to the playoffs and won? So as long as you get in, it's definitely anything's possible. And he could run hot in the playoffs and then and then win. So it's definitely possible to make it. Um, and it just uh, has to get hot at the right time. I'm looking at the difference of offense and my pitching. My pitching struggle this week, 31.65 points. And I continue to look at Corbin Burns. Like this is the last two weeks now. He had 0.7 points. He only had three points this week. Only went four and a third in his start. And it seems like they're spreading his starts out. He pitched on Tuesday. He should have pitched this weekend and did not. They're waiting for tomorrow or I think even Tuesday again. So a full week goes by. And yeah, the Brewers are not worried about my fantasy team. But it's so frustrating for a guy that should be going out there and being consistent. Like you, you have the same issue with Garrett Cole, but when you have a guy who's the anchor of your staff and he's not pitching well, it's hard to overcome that. But you know, there were some bright spots for my team. Like I, I look at my team right now, and like Jose Barrios pitched well. Looks like my closers are back to what they were doing. Obviously, Clay Holmes is a freaking monster for the Yankees in that bullpen. And then offensively, I mean, I got double digit points from Ozzy Albies, Jazz Chisholm. Randy Rosarena and Bo Bichette. So I, I can't be upset with the way my offense played. Um, it's just really what the pitching was. And it seems like, as we talked about Karen, when one, one section of my team plays well, the other falls off. And that was very true. Jimmy doubled my points in pitching. He finished with 65.05. And th that's just, you, you're never going to win when you lose that big in pitching. So it was a good win for Jimmy. Looking offensively, Jordan Alvarez, 10.35 points. Shohei Otani, 10.2 points. Uh, and then pitching is where he got me. Robbie Ray, 6.10. The biggest thing, too, you look at the takeaway, the 22 points he got for the Hunter Green suspended complete game. Like, it sucks. And I went on here because I, I recorded the podcast on Monday and it had already happened. So that buried you me for the week. By, you would have lost by two if that didn't happen. Yeah. So it is what it is. And I know people are probably saying, and others have said to me, 
it's bullshit that that shouldn't count as a complete game. But at the end of the day, it's a complete game. You can't and maybe and choose if, to see that you get points for the complete game or you don't. Yeah. So I think with Yahoo, like maybe if you can make a discrepancy of separating points for a Cowboy complete game, as we call it, also a range <laughs> shortening game. It's on the official game. list. Yeah, exactly. List. It's a Cowboy, Cowboy complete, complete game. game, full complete game. But as of right now, like he deserves it. So he deserves that amount of points. And there's no saltiness here. And um, like you said, he would have beat me anyway. But it, when you go down on a Monday by like 30 points, it's really hard it's to get tough. back up off the mat, man. So that uh, was me last week against against uh, Bizarre. You know, I was down big after the first two days. I was able to fight back, but just it was too much. Yeah, I had the lead yesterday for like a minute. And I was like, <laughs> like, and I was pretty excited. But looking at the projections, I had no more moves left. He had four guys pitching today. Yeah. Uh, and it, it could have went right in my direction, like say something special happened for my team, like a cycle or and his pitching got blown up. It could have went the other direction. I could have, you know, pulled off the victory. But, you know, sometimes when you go into a Sunday, it's almost better when you think you're going to lose. I think last week you almost got hope. You know, you felt. Yeah, I got don't, don't do like that. Don't give minutes. me hope. And <laughs> dude, and it sucks because I accepted the loss on Monday. And then when my team took the lead Saturday, it makes the loss hurt all over again. But. Uh, so I've moved to three and six and approaching territory of just like, like not out of it by any means. Cause looking at the division, obviously Karen is one and eight and I'm only two games back. So there's a lot of season left to be played, but it is frustrating to float below 500 that far. And three and six is not where you want to be, but you know, back on the saddle next week and figuring it out. So we have our other matchup here. We have Perrier and Alicia and Alicia took this one. She moves to five and four. Perrier drops to six and three. Sneaky good week for Alicia. 125.70 points. Perrier had 111.20. Not his best week. Looking at his team offensively. Uh, let's see. He had a, a total of offense, 64 points. Double digit points for Marcus Semien, who seems to be coming alive a bit. Jose Ramirez, of course, as you know, as consistent as consistent gets. Jose Ramirez crushed uh, the point total again, 12.30 points. Finished the week with two home runs and six RBI, so a good week for him. And Luis Arias, who is an eligibility monster, first, second, third, and outfield, 10.40 points. He also had two home runs, six RBIs. Uh, the rest of the guys were kind of ho-hum, like Mookie Betts, 0.5 points. That's Man, tough. bad week. Two for 26 with two singles, and that's it. He struck out five times. So, yeah, a really bad week like for the Dodgers, as I mentioned. And if you go through any Dodgers, we looked at Freddie Freeman. He had a decent week, 6.5 points compared to what the rest of the guys have done. Muncie, not a good week, except for that one day that he, and we'll talk about Muncie in the news for the intentional walk thing, because uh, I have him to talk about with Tony La Russa. Uh, Michael Walker uh, was the big piece here. Uh, and it would have been much worse for his loss because he got that complete game from Michael Walker, a complete game shutout, mind you. So if he didn't get that, imagine how bad the loss would have been. Everybody else really struggled on his end. Uh, for Alicia, offensively is where her strong suit is. And, I mean, they did more of the same. Kyle Schwarber, 11.7 points. Juan Soto, 10.10. Bryce Harper, Harper 10.20. Anthony Rizzo, 9.95. Uh, yeah. And then pitching-wise, they kind of did their job. We know her pitching is never going to be the best, but 44.65 points for her is a good week pitching. Uh, what are your th what are your thoughts on this matchup, Trav? And do you think uh, Alicia's team is one of those teams that are going to be competing, or you still see her as a pretender? 
Um, I mean, I'm just looking at what Perry, Perry did this week. I mean, it looks like he's trying to trim the fat with Grandal and Baez, you know, trying to make those tough moves, which is good to see. Um, obviously, he had story, so like he was able to fill the spot. But picking up the catcher, I mean, it's tough with catchers, but uh, it's good to see him trying to make a move to try and get him uh, to stay up um, on the record on top of his division. Um, but like you said, the offense is right where uh, Alicia was at, almost 20 points better than Perrier. Um, it's just not what you want from his team looking at it. And like you said, with uh, with Waka getting the complete game, that's 20 points right there. If, if he didn't have that, it could have been a lot bigger. Uh, but just even looking at the totals. Less than a, sorry, he would have scored less than 100 points this week, and that's not really his, what his team has been doing. He's one of the top echelon teams who, I mean, six and three is a good record. So, yeah, just an off week for him. Yeah, I mean, looking at Alicia's pitching staff, like her reliever, I mean, Jansen got her the most points, which is like something you don't usually see, but he got four saves this week. So that's definitely a, a huge contribution, especially if your uh, other starting pitchers aren't really working out. And the fact that he's able to get those opportunities and convert is huge for her. So we move on to the next matchup. We have Nick moving to three and six, defeating Greg, who fell to five and four. So Nick scored 120.7 points. Greg scored 115.20. So for the week for Nick, which is a you know a well-deserved win here against a very, very formidable squad in Greg's team, who's been surprisingly good all year. Uh, so for Nick, Jerickson Profar, 14.65 points. Giancarlo Stanton, 10.20 points. Ironically for Stanton, Scored double-digit points, but only went four for 18. Did most of his damage with the run scored, getting on base with the walks, because uh, he had seven of them this week. So the Yankees just crushed him. We'll talk about the Yankees when we get to the news, because there's a lot of trivia stats that I want to talk about with what they did today against the Cubs, because there's a, it's a lot of firsts uh, for the Yankees and what Matt Carpenter has been doing. So I definitely want to get into that with that. And I, I am curious to see what your thoughts are as well. Um, right now, also pitching-wise, Justin Verlander crushed it for him this week, 16.15 points, had two starts, two wins, struck out 17 guys over the course of two starts. Uh, great. And 9.55 from Ross Stripling. Uh, but really the highlight for him had to be Verlander. Blake Snell had, you know, decent, decent start. I think he had two starts, 10 innings pitched, 11 Ks, had six earned runs, but you know, showed, showed signs. Like I saw some of Blake Snell start. He looked like he was coming alive a little bit. Uh, so you can only hope that maybe Blake Snell is, you'll get a little throwback every once in a while. But looking at Greg's team, Bobby Wood Jr. continues to be a revelation. And of course, Aaron Judge, who is an absolute monster trying to play for the biggest contract in baseball history. Another monster week, another monster day. Went nine for 25 with three home runs, six RBIs. Five walks, finished the week with 14.3 points. And what else can you say about Judge, man? Like he is every bit as advertised. He feels it feels like he's in the swing of things. And man, like the Yankees are gonna have to really open up that checkbook to keep him there. So I was just uh, seeing what your thoughts are for that. Did you oh, my bad. Uh oh with Judge. Yeah, I mean he's uh... He he's gambled on himself, and uh, he's right now he's <laughs> he's getting that bag, you know. And like you said, he's gonna fight, you know. He's gonna fight hard for the Yankees to uh, to get him. But uh, 
if he wants more money, it's going to be tough for the Yankees to match it, especially if another team is willing to to cash him out. Keep seeing memes about Stevie Cohen going after him and put him in a Mets uniform. That would be, be uh, wild. That would be wild. It'd be heartbreaking. Um, well, who's their outfield right now? Who do they have? Starling Marte is Which one is, of them. I'm sure he has a Brandon Nimmo. contract. Yes, Marte signed like a three or four year deal. Uh, Brandon Nimmo. And who is the other outfielder that plays consistently for them? Probably not offensive uh, relevant. I'm going to pull up there the box score for today. But the thing is about Judge is that as he continues to play this well, the Yankees, the pressure has to start mounting on them because they tried to sign him and get him down early, do like a little bit of that Ronald Acuna thing. Mm -hmm. They tried to do the Wander Franco route. But I think Judge knew that if everything broke right for him, he would be making much more money than originally uh, that was offered to him. And he, he was offered a lot of money. Like, let's not mistake that he would have been his, you know, son's son's son would be set for life. So it's not like he was uh, going to be wanting for money, but I think watching guys like Jordan Alvarez get paid. I think a guy like judge says, I'm better than that guy. I know I can be better than him. So let's go out there and prove it. And this year he's just doing, there's something clicking with the Yankees that seems special. And I think Anthony Rizzo said it uh, in one of the post games. He compared this Yankee team to the 2016 Cubs team as a diehard Yankee fan. Do you feel something special brewing here? Like when we watched the 09 team, I felt the team was world series or bust and it's getting to that point for me. Do you feel that way? when you watch this team, I do. Um, my only concern though is when they play teams that are, you know, on the the higher echelon, they don't play the greatest. I mean, you look when they played Minnesota, did they lose two out of three in that in that that series? Or I mean, they were close matchups for sure. Right. Um, like obviously they won today, but who they versus the Cubs? <laughs> it's the Cubs. Like they're just not a good team. Like you would expect them to 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 beat them to a pulp. Well, what they do this year that they haven't done in many years is winning the games that they have to win. Like we've seen them in the past. They would lose those games to the Tigers. They lose the games to the Orioles. They would get not to mention they, the Rays would just own them all year. It seems like they're holding their own against every opponent. And they're doing it in a way that they're winning in a diverse fashion. Like they're not just going out there and hitting. And like once you get to the playoffs, you know, the home run ball is going to go away. It seems like this team can win two nothing or they can win 14 one. Like that's, yeah. that's what we see from them at all times. And even that game that the other day when they were down seven, one and came all the way back with the Hicks and the Gallo home run, you never really felt like they were out of the game. And like, you couldn't say the same about them last year with that. Like you knew they would lay down and die a few, you know, last year, even though they had a little bit of a mojo going with the trades with Rizzo and Gallo, they didn't feel like this. This feels like something special is brewing. Yeah, I definitely agree with the, the specialness, for sure. So, I mean, we'll see what happens at the end of the day. Like, they have to do it in, in October. We have not seen them do it in October in a very long time. They they fizzle out. They do whatever it is that um, holds them back. And pitching usually is it. My, my concern for them is Garrett Cole, because even yeah. though they're getting pitching from Nestor Cortez, Jamison Tyon, whether it be Jordan Montgomery, guys are going out there and doing their job, but at you got Cole for a reason. And if Cole's not going to be that top of the line ace, Nestor's never done it before. So Cole Who knows has how long it'll last. 
Right, exactly. So it's concerning to me. But anyway, let's move on to the next matchup here. Um, so like I said, Greg moves to five and four, and good for Nick. Sitting at three and six. Coming Will up. Will not lay rear. down and die. Will not go away. So we move on to the next matchup here. And we have this one was tight until the end. And it, it fell apart for Pizzata, but it's not over as far as final score goes. But as, as of right now, it looks like it's completely over. Devin with 142.45 uh, and Bizzotta with 135.35. Uh, Devin moves to 7-2. and Bizzotta falls to 4-5. and five. This matchup was literally tied at like 6 p.m. today to the fraction, like insanity. I don't know how it works out that way. The way the scoring happens, it's just it's unbelievable to me that this even works out. But yeah, this is a, this was a tight matchup, a tough loss for Bizzotta, but this was a battle of two Titans. And for everything that's been going wrong for Karen, it seems like everything's going right for Devin this year. Do you see that as well? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just that it's all on the matchups right now, and he's he's killing it. I mean, even to look at the points total, he's he's his team's going off, and even when some players aren't, you know, doing the best, everybody else picks up. So, looking at the point totals for this week, the best point scorer for Bizzotta was offensively Adolis Garcia, ten point seven five. He got nine point zero five from Rafi Devers. Uh, he got a couple guys hitting two, multiple home runs. Like we got Adoles hit two. Willie Adamas is back from the injury. He hit two. Rafi Devers hit two. So 11 home runs on the week for Bizzotta. So he's kind of getting the power numbers back up there. For the pitching, you Darvish pitched really well. Seven innings pitch in that start. Uh, got the win, struck out six. So Darvish throwing it back a little bit against the Mets. Um, looked very, very good. We haven't seen that side of Darvish in a bit. It's been hit or miss with him this year. Uh, he's had some some clunkers, some really good outings. This might have been his best of the year. Um, you know, you can go back to the the, the one in, in May against Philly where he won when they won uh, two nothing and also won seven strong. But I thought this one was his best outing. He looked like he was most in control and the Mets just looked lost to the plate and couldn't do anything against him. Uh, we spoke about Nestor being the ace of the staff. He did not have a good week this week. He got blown up by the twins. They lost eight one. He gave up four earned runs. Um, was was tagged with a loss. Not that we get losses here, but he finished the week with negative points. Joe Musgrove continues to be that dog. Like, what the hell is this guy? Joe Musgrove, who we talked about yesterday when I saw you. I mean, he just goes out there and he has a quality start almost every time he goes out. And he's guaranteed to go six. I mean, I'm looking at every outing since April 14th. He hasn't gone less than six innings. I mean, the guy has just been remarkable for the San Diego Padres. And, you know, he is one of those guys at the top of the list for NL Cy Young. There's a couple guys up there right now, but I think he could be up there as well uh, for being a contender for that award because he's just been so reliable. And that's something you can't say about a lot of pitchers. Him being so reliable and consistent. Name any pitcher in the league right now. There's they have clunkers. Musgrove has not had any of them this year, so he's been great. And of yeah, course, looking at it, like you said, he literally has had a quality start every time he went out. He hasn't given up more than th- uh, two runs in any of his uh, since April 14th, like as far as it goes back. But wow. yeah, not easy starts either. I mean, there's starts against teams like Atlanta, the t- <clears throat> two, two starts against Atlanta, the first and like his fifth. Um, San Francisco, San Francisco, Milwaukee, 
you know, definitely not easy outings here. And, and again, every pitcher that has pitched in this this year is blown up at least once or twice. Like we've seen even the best pitchers that like we talked about Corbin Burns, who was unhittable last year, still gets blown up. Joe Musgrove, not yet. So maybe his time is coming. But for right now, he seems like he's one of those guys. Just chalk it up. He's good for six, seven points every week for you. Kyle Wright for the Atlanta, like he's been great as well. He had two starts this week, went eight strong in that first one against Oakland and then pitched against Pittsburgh, got two wins, had two quality starts, uh, been absolutely amazing for the Braves. And he's so young, one of those guys he could build around. But we can't ignore the elephant in the room for Bazada's team that was, he not only took a loss here, but he also took a some really bad news with Walker Bueller. Who, and we'll talk about the injury report, but I feel like you can't ignore it here when we're talking about this matchup because it played a part. Uh, we had a flex restraint for Walker Bueller, um, and he won't be able to throw for at least six to eight weeks. So we feared it might be surgery. They said no. Uh, the hope is that Bueller can return by the end of the season, but it means that no matter how you slice it, six to eight weeks, you won't be able to see him until September at the earliest. So. When he left to start on Friday, I think people were a little bit concerned with what it could be. Is this the worst possible news? Probably not, but it's up there because you're hoping that it was something a little bit more insignificant, but at least it's not surgery, but who knows where this goes right now? And who knows if he's even going to be back on the mound? It, it sucks. I mean, especially the Dodgers too. You know that they're going to be safe with him because they want him for October. So who knows if he even contributes to Bizzotta's team for this uh, rest of the fantasy season. That's the thing, six to eight weeks. I mean, he might be able to even pick up a ball for six to eight weeks. So that could just extend the time. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you, I mean, you're never going to drop him, obviously. He's a, he's a guy you keep. But I wouldn't hold my breath waiting for him to come back. We no. play this game all the time, especially when you have fantasy ramifications in real life ball club ramifications. The Dodgers are going to always err on the side of making sure he's good for the NLCS. Cause the aspirations of Los Angeles Dodgers are well beyond the regular season. They think their team is built for October. So why would you even risk having Bueller barring you guys having a, a really tight race to even get in the playoffs, but with the extended playoffs and the wild, like there's no way the Dodgers are missing the playoffs. So Walker Bueller, they're probably going to wait until, you know, the wild card series or potentially the NLCS, something like that, because they're going to coast into the playoffs. I feel like it'll probably be the same thing. What happened uh, with Bizzotta with Severino, how he came back just right after when he needed him, right? Like right at the end of our playoffs, that's when they start him up, warm him up for the playoffs. And like you said, get ready for the NLCS. Yeah. So we're looking at the, for Devin's team, he had some good, uh, some good scoring here, but the biggest hurt, I guess the biggest thing that hurt for him was Jarrett Walsh hidden this hidden for the cycle. And he left him on his bench, 9.4 points yesterday, four for five. As I mentioned, the cycle didn't come back to hurt him. I mean, the matchup would have been a complete wash going into Sunday. If this happened, uh, that's almost like your worst fear when you leave a guy on the bench and they hit for the cycle. Like what is the other thing that could happen offensively? that would happen that could be worse than that, but he overcame it. So just a highlight there. And you can't blame him for benching him for the rest of the week. He was, he went two for 20 with 10 K. So it's not Zero like points. <laughs> he, it's not like he has been 
one of those players like, oh, he's he's seeing the ball really well. I mean, at that point, I don't think he got a hit. He had one hit since June 5th. So I don't blame him for benching him, but that has to absolutely hurt. Like, I don't think he knew until someone posted in the chat. So uh, that was brutal. But a good week for Devin, like I said, offensively, very well-rounded. Ronald Acuna Jr. with 10.3 points. I mean, most of the guys were approaching double digits. He got 74 points total for offense and then pitching 68 points. Uh, again, well-rounded. Cal Quantrill was his his best pitcher of the week with two starts. Uh, two wins, two quality starts, 10.25 points. And then his his closers, Emmanuel Classe had a good week. I mean, can't ask for more from him. 5.5 points for him with uh, how many saves did he get on the week? He had two saves, struck out five. Julio Urias, six innings, six innings in his other start, two earned runs in 10 Ks. So a really good week for Devin, and he coasts to seven and two. You are the defending champion right now. Do you think Devin is the biggest threat to you repeating as champ, or do you see somebody else as the best team to come at you? Um, I could probably see him as that. I mean, like you said, he he uh, missed the boat on the cycle, so that's 10 points, and he still scored 142, which is for the most for the week. So adding those totals, I mean, he's hitting 150-plus. Closest was Jimmy at 140, so his point totals are up there. Um, his record's up there with this win with uh, against Bazada. He'll be four and in, in his division, so he's that's you know that's that's something you want to see. And then even Perrier losing, so he's he'll go down to six and three. So he has the game, and I'm I think I'm versing uh, Devin next week. So that'll be definitely a good matchup between us. Um, but yeah, I think where he's at right now, I think is where I was like how I felt last year. So it's. I think he's sitting really, really at a really good spot right now. Yeah, so that will do it for our week nine breakdown. We're going to be talking about the side pot king of the hill and the week 10 matchups that Travis alluded to in just a second. All right, so we're here to review the side pod, King of the Hill, and we finally have our first King of the Hill winner. And after 10 weeks of a lot of fun, we have Perrier being eliminated, which means we have one team remaining. Devin, you are the winner of the King of the Hill, so you scored the most points this week and also scored more points than Perrier, which is all that mattered. So you are $100 richer. And now we have a decision to make. And I saw there was a little deliberation in the chat. I'm trying my best to stay out of it because side pod thing's not my thing. It's called side pod for a reason. <laughs> we don't know if we're starting as soon as this week. Do, do we have clarification on that, Travis? Uh, yeah, I just checked. So it's, it'll start immediately. So next week, whoever wants in, I guess we should probably give it. I don't even know. I guess before the game start tomorrow to see if everyone wants to be in it. And then if you're in it, obviously get the money over to Nick. Um, so we could start it up right away. Yeah. So Devin should be getting Venmo that a hundred dollars, which will pay his league fees. That has to be nice. And for the next 10 weeks, we will be doing the same thing. And then we'll decide what we want to do for the playoffs. If there's something else we want to do, but this was a nice little, uh, side thing. And it kept a lot of interest into matchups that maybe didn't have the same level of interest when they were sewn up in a foregone conclusion. Yeah, I think, um, I'm just, I'm just trying to, figure it out because it's a it's a nine week thing because obviously at the end of week nine is who you have one team left so right. that'll bring us to week 18 
So that'll be one, two, three, four, five weeks left. Oh, wait, no, that's playoffs. Okay, it's Mike Francis. Okay, we got one, <laughs> okay, uh, okay. two. Uh, Actually, okay. no, <laughs> week 20. So there's only, it's only, it's only three, uh, two weeks. So I don't know if we could do something potentially after that. Yeah, we'll decide. I think we'll, I think the t- obviously the nine elimination weeks is perfect, right? Because yeah. we have another nine weeks waiting and we'll decide what we want to do after. I'm sure there's other side things we can do as far as, you know, to fill that and scratch that gambling itch that everybody seems to have. <laughs> um, but yeah. And we'll obviously think of something to do for the all-star game. That was the first year we did. It was a little too complicated with like, pick your fantasy players. The home run derby thing is awesome. If we want to do that, if you have a player in the home run derby, or we could just divvy out the players and everybody can pick from a pool. Uh, But we'll decide that obviously the all-star game is coming up soon. So make sure you guys are making plans for that. Um, Let me just get the date for that. I had it in the chat, but I'll get it right now. Yeah, so, I, was, I was talking to Nick about that, about uh, some kind of uh, all-star game ideas. He was making a suggestion where it can go by division. So, like, divisions as in our divisions and make, like, a an all-star team for each division and whoever wins the division, you can kind of divvy up the money in that sense. I don't know how uh, how that would work specifically, but that was just an idea I think he was throwing out there. Well... I mean, if Nick, you want to take the lead and, and pitch it, because I'm always open to things like this, and I love the idea of the side pod. I think it was Devin's original idea, but you, Travis, Nick, and Devin all took the lead on this, so I'm down for anything. Uh, so the All-Star Game is Tuesday, July 19th. Uh, they'll Wait. be live from Howard's Cafe. So make sure you're there. Like, if you're, I don't think there's a reason that you shouldn't be there. We have all this. I mean, we do it every single year at this point. It's coming up pretty quickly. Be here before you know it, but just make time to be there. I think it's a really good thing. And last year was it was build the trade expo. I'm not sure if it's going to be that same thing. But yeah, it's always a good time. Uh, and just come by and get some food and watch the games and, you know, game, I should say. And Howard is like our home turf here. And it is one of two or three meetings we have there. So we'll bring the trophies. We'll do a whole bunch of stuff. Just show face, you know, come out and do your thing. I always think it's a good time. Um, But yeah, and I'm sure we'll think of other things to do. Like I'll see most of you guys 4th of July. Like we did that live podcast. We obviously obviously have our our championship coronation at Howard's as well. But I would love to arrange like a day where everybody can watch. Maybe if it's Yankees Mets or something outside somewhere like, you know, summertime somewhere. I know it was suggested when things were. Like we were the season didn't start, but I know that was suggested as a possibility to go somewhere. So th- it would be awesome if we can get everybody together more frequently than not. The uh, so and we we pushed up our trade deadline too, right? As of like last year, yeah. Let me just uh, I'll pull it up so we have the exact date. Was it August eighth? Our trade de- deadline is August eleventh this year. 11th. Okay, yeah. so August eleventh, and then. All-Star game is the 19th, you said, right? So it's a little bit closer in between. It is a little bit closer, yeah. Um, The one thing that makes it sort of the hotspot is obviously because it's the one time you have everybody in the same room. Yeah. You got some alcohol-induced trading can happen. But, yeah, that's the closest we can make it. I think that's the nearest the the trade deadline can be. But usually following the All-Star game, there's no more trades. Like I feel like that's always the, the case where... It just fizzles out. 
Now, yeah, and some at the end of it, at the end. That last week, that I made. That's when I made that trade, the Correa trade. That's what pushed me over. Was the Bueller Adley trade after or before the the Expo? I want to say after. Let's take a gander quick. I just remember where I was, like when I saw that trade, <laughs> and I wasn't out with anybody. I was watching TV, and I just remember it coming through, and like. I don't know. It was one of those things where I kind of remember where you were. I don't know if that's so, a good or a bad thing. We'll look quick. So the the we'll go from closest to the trade deadline to uh, the actual expo. So August okay. el- August eleventh was your trade with uh, Perrier for Luis. Uh, you traded away Castillo and Hader, and you got Rogers and uh, Pache. Um, that's uh, on the tenth. Me and. Uh, me and Greg made that trade with Correa, Lynn, and Trout. Uh, the fourth, you traded with Alicia. That was the Muncie trade. Um, the second, that's when Jimmy traded uh, or got Otani from you with uh, the Logan Webb and Nelson Cruz. There's, there's a bunch, actually. And then uh, wow. Perrier and Devin with uh, the Reed Detmers trade for uh, Nick Lodolo. And then the fifteenth, you and you and uh, Devin, Justin Turner for the Chapman and Hanniger trade. Thirteenth mm-hmm. uh, was the Willie Adamas, uh, Bobby Witt for Arenado and Gosman trade. And I think that was it. I think the thirteenth was the trade expo. Yeah, the, it was obviously mid July last year. So you're right. I mean, it seems like it, it. I don't know. I couldn't be more wrong. It sounds like <laughs> so. There's, there's no way this is right. There's one, two, three, four, five, six. It was six trades on July 13th. That sounds about right. Six of them, but they started at 9 a.m. No, I remember that was the day that we had, we really had seven. We had to reverse the Perrier and Jimmy trade. Oh, uh, yeah. Remember because the injury? It was wilding out. Yeah, it was a crazy day, and that was before. That was before the expo. That was like the day before. Oh right, I think the, I think it was the fourteenth. Was the All Star game? Yep. I yeah. Now now it's coming back to me because everyone was like, "What? We couldn't wait until the expo, guys." You <laughs> right? You're so pissed about it. <sighs> All right, so the matchups for Week Ten, and then we'll get into the injury report and the news, and then we'll get out of here. Our week 10 matchups, we have me at three and six taking on Greg at five and four. We have Nick at three and six taking on Perrier at six and three. We have Devin at seven and two taking on Travis at six and three. So banger of a matchup there. Battle of two Titans. Jimmy's five and four taking on Alicia five and four. A very important matchup there. And we have Bizada at five and four against the the one and eight Casasaurus Flex. Yikes. Uh, Rough shape uh, for Karen. So she'll see if she can get back into this race or maybe she has her eyes towards 2023 or maybe just football season. We'll see what happens, but she's just as active as ever. And I give Karen a lot of credit. You know, she's a warrior in this league. She knows what it takes to win. So, you know, I know she's going to be fighting to the end and playing spoiler if that's what it takes, because uh, she cares about the legitimacy of the championship. So she want to make, she wants to make sure that all these guys are getting her best effort. And I know she's going to continue to put it out there, but Karen, I would love Shane McClanahan. If you'd like to trade him, <laughs> I know you're not trading them, but I would mostly love Shane McClanahan. And I have nothing to give you but um, you know, just good graces and stuff. I can, you know, we can work a deal out for real though. Call me. All <laughs> right. So we're gonna move into the injury report. Uh, and there are some a lot of injuries to talk about. We did discuss the injuries that did come back. Uh, 
with the Bueller stuff that came up in the matchups. But let's start with Monday. Just going to obviously talk about big names. And then, Travis, feel free to jump in here if you want to give any feedback on it. Wander Franco is expected to be back, or at least back, by June 18th. That's his latest report as of Monday of this week. Uh, he has a quadriceps injury. So see what happens with him. That's obviously he is one of those players that relies on his legs to extend singles to doubles and steal bases and his agility and athleticism comes a lot from his speed. So him having that quad injury, that's a a troubling thing for him. Any thoughts on Wander or no? Um, Honestly, I haven't paid too much attention to him this year, so I'm not sure how he's been or how long he's been hurt, but considering Alicia's been winning without him. I mean, getting him back at some point will just help her. Absolutely. So there's been some discrepancy with this one with Jesus Lazardo. Yahoo is saying that he hasn't even picked up a ball yet. It's not throwing. CBS Sports has him coming back on July 1st. So <laughs> don't know what's actually the it? truth. So his forearm injury, he's expected to be out until at least June, July 1st. So it's all about the wording here. It doesn't say he's coming back July 1st. He's expected to be out until July 1st, which usually means he'll be back around that time. But obviously take it with a grain of salt. We're not exactly sure what it means, but allegedly, according to Miami beat writers, he is throwing the ball and Yahoo doesn't have it right. So, I mean, I don't trust Yahoo's updates. Those are fucking trash. We have Jonathan India of the second baseman of the Cincinnati Reds and also for Greg's team. He should be back from his hamstring injury mid next week. So June 17th, 18th, he should be back. Uh, we also have Jack Flaherty should be back next week at, on Saturday for his first start. I think he's having a rehab start early this week mm-hmm. from his shoulder injury. So hopefully he'll be back soon. Looking at these other guys, Aroldis Chapman should be back from his Achilles injury this week at the end of the week. So we'll see if he's going to get, I guess. You think he'll cut in? I don't know. It's a good question. With how they've been playing and how Clay's been pitching, like, I would say throw Chapman in the eighth inning and just say, like, you have to earn it. Like, because Clay is the closer, I think, right now. But is they've put him into that spot before and he hasn't done well. He hasn't really done well as the, as the closer either and been tight spots. So, true. At this point, they're paying him a lot of money, but he's a free agent. So, kill him, kill Aaron his arm Boone like the Cubs the, did, right? Yeah, you could do exactly what the Cubs did. Yeah. But Aaron Boone doesn't owe him shit. So, like, they could just say, this is your role on the team, and if you want to have eyes on you for the year, this is where you're going to pitch. Yeah. But I think it's a good insurance policy because we haven't seen Clay pitch, first of all, late in seasons and also in big moments. And we know that Chapman, all joking aside, he has the experience to win when, it, when it's there. And I know people want to give him shit for blowing saves, <laughs> but there, there have been big moments that he's had in the playoffs for the Yankees and also, obviously, for the Cubs. Like we, He's won a World Series. Your silence is, it says it all, Travis. <laughs> he's, it's uh, it's a it's, tough decision. It's, he's not he's not very likable. It doesn't have the same likability factor that Clay Holmes has. I get it. But it, it's sad though because like as good as Chapman's been, all the blown saves just like pop into my head. Like yeah, Houston, the Altuve shit. Houston, Houston, Houston. <laughs> like yeah. how many did he give up? Was it two or three blown saves against them? So. I just, I picture out. the, I picture the Altuve, the smirk like that for me will forever haunt me. Yeah. Like, what are you doing, man? Uh, are you doing. <laughs> all right. Don't so smile. We have, we have Sonny Gray coming back from the pectoral injury sometime middle of this week. So that'd be a big lift for the twins. He's been really good. I mean, that's the perfect spot for him. 
like not a big market, able to Can't just go out there market. and do his thing. Yeah. You know, give him the Minnesotas, the Pittsburghs, the Cincinnati's, the Oakland's. Like he thrives there. Yankees. He'll, uh, hell no. He'll, he won't do good in the playoffs, though. Imagine he plays, they play, uh, like the Yankees round two or something like that. I mean, the Yankees bombed. just absolutely, absolutely thrash the twins in the playoffs. The record is absolutely insane. Like they are truly just one of those teams that they, they don't have the answer. No matter who's wearing the uniform, the Yankees just own them. It's, it's, yeah. that's just not like being a homer. That is exactly the case. The numbers are crazy. Uh, Eloy Jimenez should be back from his hamstring injury sometime middle of this week. So June 17th, he has it penciled. We have Fernando Tatis update. He will be back from his wrist injury sometime around after the All-Star break. So July 22nd is what the Padres front office was saying. So that would be a nice little lift. I totally forgot about him. <laughs> well, we were saying yesterday we were watching the Padres. Everyone in that uniform looks like looks like him because they're all like these skinny guys that wear the pants the same way. Brandon Woodruff. Now, allegedly, he's on the IL with a hand thing, but... He was originally on with an ankle thing, so he should be back by July 1st. Very questionable. Not exactly sure what's going on with Brandon Woodruff, but outside of the injury stuff, he has not pitched well at all, so it's it's the whole thing is alarming. We have Pablo Lopez is supposed to be back this week from a wrist injury. Chris Bryant should be back June 21st from his back, but then, you know, he'll be back on the aisle right after, so... We had an announcement that Casey Mize is now done for the season. He'll be getting Tommy John surgery, so that sucks for him. Former first round, <laughs> first round pick. Sucks. Marcus Stroman, shoulder injury. He'll be back June twenty second. Chris Sale could be back sometime around Fourth of July with the ribs injury. Who knows? With him though, they were saying he's out for the year. Then they're also saying he'll be back. So we'll see what goes on there. I'm just reading the report, guys. Uh <laughs> And then Garrett Cooper, we talked about during Karen's matchup. He has COVID, so he'll be back middle of this week. Walker Bueller is expected to be out until September 1st with that elbow injury. Lance McCullough Jr. should be back from his forearm injury July 12th. Fermil Reyes is out until June 16th. And looking at the rest of today, Mike Clevenger should be back middle of this week. We'll see if he can get off the snide. Glaber Torres is out. They didn't, they didn't label him as COVID, but it is illness-related, so I'm assuming it's that. Chris Taylor nailed his face into the wall today. <laughs> He's supposed to be out until June 15th, but it looked like he broke his nose, so I'm not exactly oh, sure. I'm able to put one of his face guards on. And Lance Lynn could be back from his knee injury, so a nice little lift for Devin there, who lost Lynn like the first week of the season. That was Devin, right? Devin has Lance Lynn? Wow, let's take a quick candy. Michael Kopech should be back June 17th. Tim yep. Anderson. Yes, Devin has him. Yeah. Yeah, so he lost him like the first week. And then we have this whole Saya Suzuki bullshit going on too on your end. So dumb. He was supposed to be back this week. Now he's expected to be back sometime around June 24th with a finger injury. He was jet set to become the NL Rookie of the Year. No doubt in my mind, but he hasn't been back for a while now. So I don't know what the deal is. It's kind of an open market. He can probably still come back and take that award. Uh, but I don't even really know who would be runner up. Yeah, me either. I'd have to look. It might be one of those like the young pitchers that have been coming up. But those are your injuries. Uh, nothing really crazy aside from the Walker Bueller news, which sucks. It's like one of those things that 
you don't like seeing because outside of fantasy relevance, Walker Buehler is a fun pitcher to watch, and he's good for baseball. So watching him go, it's not great. We'll see how the Dodgers do, though, considering, I mean, they lost uh, lost him. I mean, and then obviously the Barra situation. So it's two one-two guys that you have, and you're out of your, your starting five. So it's curious to see how they do. Not to mention they lost Scherzer, too, from their staff last year, like to free agency, but not that they went into this year expecting to have him. But their wow. staff is going to look completely different going into October this year. Especially with Kershaw just being questionable. and Yeah. I mean, they figure out a way to win always, so it's not like, listen, they'll figure it out. No one's going to feel bad for the Dodgers, but they're going <laughs> to nope. figure it out. I was even so, just looking at the standings quick. I mean – I didn't realize that San Diego's only half game back. So, I mean, it's they don't know if they don't have it in the bag, that's for sure. Not in the bag, but I think they'll, for a while, like they're, they're almost like, they're, I don't think there's a chance they're going to miss the playoffs, right? No, I mean, they have, obviously, they have a tough division, but I don't, I mean, they're the Dodgers. They'll figure out a way to get in at least, and I guess just piece it together. All right, so for the news segment here, I'm just going to give just little blurbs of news. There's some some topics I would like to talk about a little bit further in depth, but just give me your thoughts on them as we go past them. So this is the first thing that got announced on Sunday Night Baseball. Obviously, the Angels and the Mets are playing. They're finishing up the week of baseball. So this was <laughs> this is actually kind of funny. ESPN just dropped the funniest nugget of all time. Joe Madden got a mohawk to surprise the guys with uh, with to help break the losing streak, but the players never saw it because he got <laughs> fired that day. <laughs> So, Travis, thoughts on Madden being fired quick, and do you think that's going to help the Angels? Um, And just overall thoughts on that news story being dropped. I mean, the the Angels are just that they're like the like the just the stepchild that like nobody like they want to see good, but like he's just not a good guy. Like they just they have all the pieces, but they just they just can't make it happen. I mean, I don't think I don't think him being fired will help because they just. They just can't put it together for whatever reason. It's just sad that he, he got his haircut <laughs> the next day. He probably walked in and they're like, yeah, you're out. Like, you can't do that haircut. Like, that might be the reason why he got fired. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so we had also, we mentioned before, the Giants swept the visit in L.A. Dodgers in a three-game set. Just putting that out there. It doesn't happen often when those teams come together. They are usually evenly matched. So the Giants sweeping the Dodgers is definitely uh, one of those surprising things. Uh, we talked about, it. yeah, that also, yeah, it, it built a very uh, interesting race in the NL West. This popped in the news as well. There is a chance potentially that we could see a, a player that is playing college right now, potentially playing in the MLB this year. Uh, and the article, this is from Yahoo Sports, written by Zach Kreiser, is talking about Tennessee's Ben Joyce who hit 103.5 on Wednesday night and 104 miles per hour. It's the fastest pitch all across professional baseball. Um, And they're talking potentially that he could enter the draft and become the second player to pitch in the college world series and the, and the world series in one year. So we will see what goes on with him. Uh, So, he is eligible to be an early round selection in July's draft. Given the fact that he throws so fast, he could probably help a contender's bullpen like immediately. Uh, he's could. So right now we have Garrett Crotchet who 
had a rise from college to the Chicago White Sox in 2020. So it happened as recently as two years ago. So but the things we have to discuss is, is it worth it to bring a guy up just because he throws fast like that? Or do you think it's better to wait and let him kind of mature in the minors? I mean, it's tough because if the draft's in July, I mean, even if you bring it up in August, September, A, I don't follow the draft too much, so like I'm not really too sure how it works, but I would assume it's similar how the shitty you are, the better the better draft pick you have. If he's one of the top echelon guys, he's going to go early in the draft, so one of those contenders would have to trade for him, no? Very good point. So the things that they're breaking down in this article, uh, he obviously he missed the 2021 season with Tommy John surgery, and he's been handled very carefully with Tennessee. So he's only thrown 29 innings heading into the super regionals, which is happening next weekend. Um, and has only had two, two innings, two outings lasting more than two innings. So MLB teams discover unpleasant surprise in draft pick medical examinations all the time. So a lot would depend on whether that they don't want to take a risk. So like you mentioned before that a contender probably wouldn't get their hands on them. I guess this person's arguing that, he would drop down draft boards because of that the Tommy John stuff. Just because he uh, throws fast, people are just willing to kind of let him pass because they think it might happen again. So right now he is the fastest fastball in the country. Um, I guess you really can't be sure because there's different tracking systems and different guns. Um, but they're assessing that he probably has thrown harder than any major leaguer this year. Uh, right now the hardest big league pitch tracked by StatCast is 103.3 by Twins reliever Joan Duran. And only six pitchers have touched 103 since 2017. So we obviously know the velocity is upper echelon, if not elite. Um, I mean, the fact, like, the MLB, it's different. Like, you can't just throw fast down the play. But as we noticed with, like, Jordan Hicks, he gets blown up. He can throw 102 miles an hour on a consistent clip. We mentioned Aroldis Chapman. He can throw fast, but he still gets hit. Um I think a crucial question for this guy, this this guy, like you're pitching against college hitters, the difference from the college hitters to the MLB hitters is immense. And we've seen yeah. struggles, like even with the hitters that come up from AAA, people struggle immediately. The, just the jump, I mean, I guess you could bring him in out of the bullpen to change it up, but I can't see him being success, successful there. I, I just can't see it. No, I mean, how's his, how's his location? I mean, is his stuff plus number is good? I mean, just like you said, just because you could throw fast, it doesn't mean it could correlate to strikeouts or, or wins or saves. Yeah, I mean, even the hardest people that throw, they need to have something to keep the hitters honest. Like, we've seen Hunter Green have his, his struggles, even though he throws 100-plus miles per hour almost on a consistent clip. It's hard to say that I would feel confident that a guy that just throws hard, like I would have to see more of him. But it would be certainly interesting. Uh, who would, first of all, who would take him? Um, and then obviously, if you're rooting specifically for him to make the leap from college to the majors, you should root for a contender to take him. And we obviously, like we said, we saw it last year. Um, I guess his trajectory probably makes him more attractive to teams in the hunt. Um, and he's more likely to move to a major league bullpen. So whoever spends the pick to draft him is going to look for him to. I guess to impact a team in a short time frame because a guy with that sort of arm injury, I guess you're just trying to get the most out of him before it happens again. But can you get Tommy John twice? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Hmm. So it's not like it's not like it's out of the woods already. 
Oh, yeah. So we talked about it before. So a key thing to understand for everybody is that you don't have to be the best prospect to be the one that's closest to be brought up. So a lot of these teams like that are not the contenders like the pirates, like the Orioles they are going to take guys that are more of the long-term projects that have a higher upside. So we talked about the two recent examples, crochet, who is the uh, teammate of Joyce from Tennessee last year and Brandon Finnegan who jumped from TCU to Kansas City Royals in 2014 to be the only player in, to play in the College World Series and the World Series in the same year. And it's no coincidence, coincidence that they both arrived as relief pitchers because you just want them to go out there, throw fast, and just get out there quick, maybe throw like against three, three four batters. Um, Crochet and Finnegan were consistently used as starters in college, so I, th- I think that's something to talk about because they both were stretched out. And Joyce right now, if you're pitching only two innings in college, uh, he could definitely be someone like if things get a little bit sketchy out there, like he can't just like wait it out. He only can throw 20 to 30 pitches and then he's done, but throwing 103 miles per hour, moral of the story. He might be very useful this year. We may be seeing him down the line. So something to watch out for Ben Joyce. So I want to just pull that to your attention. So Ben Joyce of Tennessee potentially could be in, um, in play for the MLB draft, obviously, and also to help a contender. So that's the draft is bizarre that way. And it's always confusing. I know you mentioned like you don't follow it, but it's mid year. It makes no sense to me the way it works. It and then the guys can like get drafted and then go back to college. It's, it's weird. It should be reformatted. I think they like football has it right. Like they literally have something planned every month. Just do it in January just to get people like thinking about baseball again. Like, I guess because college football is starting, uh, college baseball is starting. That's why they don't do it. But I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. So we no talked about at it. <laughs> you no, know, you're right. Right now we're looking at it, but you know we're we're the diehard of the diehard. So I don't. I know most people are not really paying attention to it in July when the baseball season's going on. The crazy part is it's happening during baseball games. So like, if you want to watch yeah. the draft, it has to it has to be done in lieu of watching your team play. Yeah. That goes against every, I mean, I know MLB network finally started airing it, but it goes against everything you should be doing for your product. It just, it's another notch in the, in the corner of saying they don't know how to market their own fucking sport. I really, that's what it is. All right. So the other news story, Tony LaRussa is said he's not second guessing the intentional base on balls that he gave on the one, two count that led to the game losing home run. So just to kind of paint the picture for you guys, the White Sox were facing the Los Angeles Dodgers at home, and they found themselves down 7-5 in the top of the sixth inning with Freddie Freeman on first, two outs, and Trey Turner hitting. Chicago pitcher Bennett Sousa, not from college, opened the at-bat with a cold strike, then got a foul to push the count to 0-2 before missing with a slider enough to allow Freeman to take second base. At that point, the White Sox were a strike away against an elite hitter. Turner's 324 batting average over the past three years leads all of MLB from staying within striking distance. Instead... Larusa decided to intentionally walk Turner, even though his pitcher was already ahead one, two in the count to the confusion of everyone around him. That included a fan independently yelling, Tony, what are you doing? He got, <laughs> he's got two strikes in the background. So now intentionally walking a guy when you're up one, two in the count is an odd enough decision. Taking such a risk would certainly look bad. If say the next batter, Max Muncy crushed an opposite field home run to push the Dodgers lead to 10, five. So Muncie making his return from the injury list due to an elbow injury appeared to have taken exception to LaRusse's decision with lip readers interpreting his post home run conversation as 
you fucking walk him with two strikes. Fuck you, bitch. That's what he had said <laughs> to Tony LaRusa. So my question is to you, not just because of this, is Tony LaRusa's time in Major League Baseball done? Do we need to see him go away? It just, it's just, he doesn't fit. He's, he's the old manager. I mean, you see them starting to get rid of them. I mean, Madden, I mean, he's he's new old, but he's just, he's pushing the envelope. I mean, who's left Dusty and Buck? That's really it. And the old regime, he's got to go though. Yeah, Larusa. I mean, he had his he had his issues last year with unwritten rules and all that bullshit that was going on with the Padre. It's just no. All right, moving on here. I agree with you, by the way. I think Larusa doesn't have a place in baseball today. It just holds people back. Just like the old guard needs to go. Just go away. Go home. Have your. I like what they were trying to do, but it's 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 not. It's not. uh, It's not correlating. Like they're not even doing that well. Like as good as people were expecting them to. Like people were expecting them to win the World Series this year. They're not playing that well. Right. Like I feel like they haven't been playing as well because of Tony Larusa. I think. I think he's. They've been mismanaged. Without the progressive mindset of like, say, a guy like, and as much as we hate the Rays and they're annoying, Kevin Cash thinks completely different about the game of baseball. So I think that's and even like an AJ Hinch like. Things completely different with the game of baseball. I know now he's in Detroit, but with Houston, he changed the way people thought. Cheating aside, like it's just a different mindset and looking at the game through a different lens, not just this obscured like 1987 back, I don't know, backward way of looking at baseball. Like, yeah, see, in my day, we didn't we didn't do that because you know if you're up big, you can't be stealing a base because you know it's just mean to people. <laughs> All right, so Matt Carpenter is on a freaking tear for the Yankees. Uh, so he went three for four with two home runs, a double, a walk, three runs scored in 70 RBI. So now he's hitting 333 with a 467 slugging percentage with six home runs, 13 RBIs, 10 runs scored in 10 games with the Yankees. So not too bad. Mustache yeah, power. Good like it I yeah, mean, the yankees find these weird guys like that come out of nowhere and just like come off strong and just i mean matt carpenter's another, another one of them he's a good player from back in the day he hasn't played this well in so long yeah i mean i'll listen i'll take it i mean you're probably has more home runs than gal already i'll take it yeah he's been absolutely crazy good uh so we had frank schwindel i always talk about pitching player position players pitching he pitched for the cubs today uh, the Yankees batted around in the first inning, so they just they just tore up the uh, the Cubs pitching staff. So to give you guys the highlights, if you want me to read through it, and I think I want to because it's a lot of fun <laughs> to give you the highlights of how they batted around. I have it written down over here. Aaron Judge singles to right. Rizzo flies out to left. One out. Stanton walks. Judge the second. LeMahieu walks. Judge the third. Stand the third. Carpenter walks. Judge scores. Stand the third. LeMahieu to second. One one game. Kind of Falefa hits a ground rule double to right. Stanton LeMahieu score. Carpenter to third. Yankees lead 3-1. Marlon Gonzalez reaches on an error to third. Uh, Higgy flies out to right. Gallo doubles to right. Carpenter and kind of Fleffer score. Gonzalez to third. Yankees lead 5-1. And then Judge strikes out with three outs. So kind of got to feel a little bit bad for the Cubs. But what a fun first inning to turn the Yankee game on. I was like, I turned it on midway through the third batter. And I'm like, they're what? They're already up 3-1 here? It's awesome. So another thing here, the Cubs tied an MLB record today with a zero for 43 runners in scoring position streak. 
So, yeah, and this isn't the last 40 seasons of baseball. They That's ended not a good look. <laughs> the end of the, the game last Sunday, a full week ago, with 0 and 8 runners in score position, and have gone 0 and 35 since then. Man, the Cubs are just having a hard time doing anything right. And like you said, you got to win when you're playing them. But just to give you reference, there were 0 and 7 with runs, runners in scoring position against the Orioles on Tuesday, 0 and 18 against the Yankees on Friday, 0 and 7 against the Yankees yesterday, and 0 and 3 so far today. This was written as of eight hours ago. So, yeah. Makes you wonder it's, why it's, Suzuki went there. Yeah. It's a good, good looking uniform. Look good in that uniform. That's <laughs> about it. <laughs> John Carlos Stan hit uh, his home run today. It was 116.8 miles per hour. Um, and it is tied for the 10th hardest hit ball of the season. Just an absolute missile. So just want to put that out there. Aaron Boone said last night that the Yank, uh, that Anthony Rizzo was over. lose you i think i lost you we're live pal steve yeah can you hear me oh hey you froze for like 30 seconds uh that's okay i i don't know if you I don't know if you guys heard that or not, but we're live, pal. We're just talking all things baseball here. So they're trying to play the music. The last time they tried to play the music, now they're trying to freeze us out. This is what happens. <laughs> Pushing the 115. Right, we have one more story to get to, and then we're going to get the hell out of here, and we're going to look forward to week 10 of baseball. We had Angel Hernandez in the news. He alleges that MLB altered evaluations to hurt minorities. So this news will be probably popping up more and more as time goes on. He's making allegations of discrimination against MLB as he appeals the judge's decision to throw out his lawsuits against the league. According to the athletic Hernandez filed an appeal this week that accuses MLB of manipulating, manipulating internal evaluations to prevent minority umpires from being promoted. Um, we know this story goes on and on with Angel Hernandez. He's just not a good umpire. You can look <laughs> at just watching him. He's just not a good umpire and it doesn't matter he's just a bad umpire. And if you can go to what the best thing to look at is ump scorecards on Twitter, follow that account. They grade umpires and they talk about, and they show their best call of the night. The, the most egregious call. Um, he is most notably to be the most inaccurate. So it's a public umpire grading system. That is it's objective and it's called suck. So, just putting it out there. Angel Hernandez sucks. And when he's behind the mound, he's and behind the plate. He's an absolutely horrendous umpire. I'm curious if, I mean, I guess we'd have to look at the, the games he's, uh, he's been in, but is, are they not putting him in like primetime games anymore? Is there, do we know, you know, do we know that at least they're like trying to limit him as much as possible or is he, they're just throwing him out there? Like, there is a lot of legitimacy to these scorecards that they feel like they're, if you're not performing well, you're not going to be on these big games. And I think he last year was held out of the playoffs. I think that was the thing. And then he was trying to sue the league. Uh, I don't even know if he's umpiring this year. I have not seen him. So it's potentially he's yeah. not even umpiring this year at all. And 
He's trying his best to figure out a way to get back. I don't know what his end game is here, but yeah, I mean, if he's doing a lawsuit, it could be like you said, he's not pitching, uh, he's not playing this year, or maybe he's just in the the low market games like Pittsburgh, Miami. You know, those games that nobody really has been watching. Yeah, I mean, the thing with these umpires is it's unionized, so like you can't just get rid of them. So I think what they're doing is they they're trying to find a spot, like you said, that's least egregious. Um, so let's see if he's actually umpire this this year. And everything on the news right now says it's about the news story about him manipulating claims. Um, there's a story from April that says he's the worst umpire in the history of Major League Baseball, according to objective stats. <laughs> um, that it. So. You shouldn't know the name of the umpires, and if you do, usually it's for a bad reason. But yeah, anything they, else uh, on the docket here, Trav, for you going into this week? Any news that you want to talk about or just a quick little message as the champ that you want to give to the league before we get out of here? Uh, not really. Just, I mean, looking forward to a good matchup with Devin. Hopefully, uh, you know, it's a close one. I, As much as you like to win by 40, it, Enjoy more when it's a you know it's a back and forth, so it's close. You know you you keep an eye on it every day and making sure your your roster is set and all that good stuff. So just hoping for a good matchup. I mean, hopefully it might be a, a future matchup for the playoffs. So uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. So Trav said it best. I mean, this is a big matchup between the two of them. So we'll. It's not going to define the season. Even if you lose this week, you're six and four, and he moves eight and two. Like. You guys, I mean, you could tie his record, which I guess is something you want to do as far as tying the best record in the, in the league. As far as the other teams that are just kind of folding, you know, a big week for me against Greg, three and six. Big week for Nick. I mean, if Nick wants to kind of keep climbing, big, big matchup against Perrier. Uh, and Jimmy and Alicia have a big matchup too, both five and four. So they both have a lot to prove. So a big week here. And we're at week 10, believe it or not. I cannot believe that we're at double-digit weeks already. This week, this league just flies by. It's so sad. Yeah. <laughs> I to mean, last forever. I agree. But that's all we got for you, Trav. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Just keep in mind, guys, next week we are going to be doing the Power Rankings, which is the week 10 wrap-up show. So probably midweek I'm going to be sending you or just texting you asking for your power rankings, your one through nine, one being the best nine being the worst. And we're going to compare them to where they were in week five week. Uh, and also in the preseason. So just please get them back to me as soon as possible. Cause it takes a little bit to do a little arithmetic and figure out where everybody goes, do some dividing, you know, like the, you know, like the gif with uh, the guy from, from the hangover, Zach Alphanakis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm doing when I'm trying to figure out the power rankings, but all joking aside, Devin will be joining me next week and anyone is welcome to join with us as well. This is not just, you know, it's open to anybody. So please let me know if you'd like to be on talking to you, Perry, you're the only one that has not been on here. Jimmy, you've had requests to be on here and you were not on the here this week. So guys get on here uh, and talk your shit, man. This is, this is your platform. So again, I appreciate you joining me. We're going to be looking forward to another great week of baseball and some competitive matchups in week 10. Biggest one to watch is Devin and Travis. So, again, thank you. This has been the Commission Rap Show, and we're out.